Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to The Front Free, officially the 15th most popular professional sports podcast in the UK on iTunes. My name is Adam Boltwood. Joining me as always is the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Ah, what it is to be above the relegation zone. There you go. And of course, uh, the stat man himself, Dave O'Brien. Hey, well, I've got to say thank you for, for downloading having a listen. We're around Newcastle United, are we, at the moment? Yeah. yeah. Sort of just Technically, Adam, you're John Carver. Well, <laughs> that's one way of doing it, yeah. Uh, so, guys, welcome to episode seven. Thank you so much for listening. As Dave is saying, thank you for subscribing on iTunes, because we seem to have rocketed up the charts, which is it's nice, isn't it? I think well, we can't complain, really, can we? Um, um, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just them. Oh, it's fantastic. Listening. It's just you sitting there with you in your ears, just having a good oh, time. Lovely. Maybe just, you know, knocking one out. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're that way, go Some on. people maybe do, you know. Yeah. So... <laughs> The support we've been getting on Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes has been amazing. Um, gonna name check a few people. So Adam1802, Fat Boob, and Lust Bombardier. They, they gave us nice reviews on iTunes. Uh, Master Caesar, Ben B97, and Toby Anolifo on SoundCloud. And finally, Zach, KPD, CFC, and Brian E for their kind words on Twitter. And we also got one really, really nice uh, <laughs> review on iTunes from a guy called Shailen Patel. So special well, mention for him. It was, yeah, good uh, guy. He basically said, this, uh, I'll paraphrase it, but he did say, uh, this podcast has been an absolute revelation, which I think is a, is a very nice way. To, He's wrong, way but he said it. it so nicely. Yeah, I he think. said it nicely. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to send us nice things and inflate our egos on Twitter, um, you can reach us at the front free with the number free and not the word. Adam, I do have to ask you one question, though. Are you working full time on the podcast now? Uh, not full time, mainly okay. one day a week. When okay, we, right, yeah. Uh, so full time for one day. Yeah, yeah. There and thereabouts. Yeah. Um, so, on with the show, and there is only one place to start, and that is FIFA. What a week it's been, guys. It's all been, mm-hmm. it's all been kicking off, hasn't it? Ding dong. So, Blatter's dead. literally to sum up the situation as it stands so after 17 years as FIFA president Sepp Blatter has announced he will resign amid the corruption scandal currently engulfing football's governing body so uh, the timing of the resignation has a lot of people asking why now so it seems he realized his position may finally have become untenable because yesterday there were fresh allegations that FIFA Secretary General Jerome Valquet was aware of an alleged 10 million dollar bribe that was connected to the award of the World Cup in South Africa this essentially established a link between those close to Blatter with corrupt activity so apparently that link was too close 
for him to carry on. So he's announced his exit um, and he will call a FIFA Congress as soon as possible to elect a successor. This is actually not expected to take place until at least December this year, uh, potentially even as late as March 2016. So just mail your votes. Just, just, just mail yeah. the votes. So he's still president uh, as we speak and, and to the end of the year. Um, so he is standing down, Lawrence, but I mean, is anything really going to change? Well, I suppose this is part of it. It's what happens in the interim as well. Um, my personal choice would be Jack Warner. Yeah, cool. yeah, stand up. Uh, stand just up because we all know he's a fan of maybe the most satirical comedy I've ever seen, uh, <laughs> taking the onion and making it real. Yeah. Uh, if no one's seen that video, it's basically Jack Warner reading an article online um, on The Onion, which is a satirical news website, and thinking it was real. Mm. Now, <laughs> now the, best, the best evaluation of this was when, uh, I think it was last week tonight, you know, the other online show, which oh, is yeah. sort of satirical, uh, then said, you realise how ridiculous FIFA is when a FIFA exec themselves, or an ex-FIFA exec, then thinks this is true. Mm. Like, you realise how ridiculous it is as an organisation. But that... I, sp- I suppose that's part of it, isn't it? Is that every political coup, which is essentially one of this, this could be one of those, is uh, does have people behind it, and so there's politics involved with this. And I think that's part of the problem here, Adam, is that this is football mixed with politics, and we need to separate the two. Oh, it's it's just a yeah, very messy situation, isn't it? Um, so yeah, it seems he's finally come to his senses. At least you'd, you'd say his position was untenable long before this. Um, <laughs> Because, yeah, this is an organisation, I mean, the allegations of corruption have been going on for years, maybe even decades. Well, they say, they say that it's gone far, as far back as 25 years of corruption. Yeah. 25 years of it basically laundering money within an organisation so which is non-profit. Well, this is part of it. Is they, you've got, they've got to build a case um, against mm. those guys and they have to make sure it's concrete. Otherwise, they won't be able to get them. But the point is, then, they're so clever that they're in Switzerland, which means that they, it makes things even <laughs> yeah. harder. But the, the problem being, Switzerland is a country which you know allows politics to thrive. But the problem is, and I think this is the biggest question here, is it's not really about the individuals within this. It's about the system that Blatter's exploiting. And what we need to ask is, is this system serving us well enough? And now that Blatter's gone, is it possible for us in some way to deconstruct that system and find a better way of doing it? The problem being, yeah. what, what's the better way of doing it? Because everyone's got their own interest at heart. Yeah, That is the question, isn't it? I think, you know, with him going, do, do we really even trust FIFA as it is? to vote someone in who's legitimately going to reform the organization you'd probably say not just oh. take you know just cut the head off of, the snake you know it doesn't change the fact it's a snake another sort of big problem with it is obviously it is a world organization that mm. isn't in politics in the real world that isn't an organization that makes decisions about the whole world maybe that's the problem that we need to break up into uefa we need to break up into like the concat and they make decisions internally within their state and then they come to sort of a board or a you know, a council of people that do like go FIFA. forth and do make these make these um, decisions and say one one year every four years they'll have one in one of the uh, you know one in UEFA so sort of in France then they'll have one in the Concacaf then they'll have one in South America that's how the World Cups could move around without having this problem of you know whoever these other these companies have come in and thrown all these cash at these people that could be a solution maybe well I think that's maybe part of it isn't it is that that I mean Dave Dave puts together a really um, quite compelling argument in that sense and I think. It, you know, it, uh, it's basically going with the politics that we have now. And mm. I was listening to, it's a really great podcast, actually, World Football Phone-In. Uh, we're, we're, we were above it for a little while on the iTunes podcast. Too, but <laughs> but the, um, it's, a, it's a great podcast. Um, and they were talking about this, you know, uh, the re-election of Blatter um, mm-hmm. and 
you know, the fact basically that the system doesn't seem to be serving people. And one of the great points was that, and I think this is, I mean, this is really relevant to us is, you know, we can navel gaze all we want and we can say, you know, oh yeah, we've got to change the system, change the system. But what are we actually doing as football fans? And what are we doing? Are we mobilizing? Are we going out supporting our local club? You know, do we really want to see football change in that way? Are we wedded to football in that way? Mm. Or do we just have a passing relationship with it? And I guess that's part of it here is that if you really do love your local club, and I was speaking, you know, I was with Spencer Owen today, the YouTuber, and he is an investor in Real Oviedo. And he was saying, what a great story that is. You know, that's now, you know, it's, it's a club that's now promoted. There's a great story there. It's fan run. It's fan owned, which I know can sometimes be a misnomer. But this is, you know, at least it's somewhat of a fairy tale story, even though it's owned by the richest man in the world. But the point there would be that there is there's some initiative from the fans to set up a system which serves and it seems to be working but maybe in a com maybe in a competitive system and this is part of the problem football's a competitive thing and when you set the world up against each other for the world you know for the world cup competing for the world cup someone's going to lose mm. so maybe that's the point in this is actually we have to realize what the process is and that actually during the process someone's going to lose but we have to minimize what happens when they lose and that the rich guys don't keep getting richer to the point where they're untouchable Yes. Well, I think we also, we also have a bit of a problem with there's no there's no one out there that that we can see that is this sort of open with their finances and that, that could step up. You know, potentially someone that could be thrown in there is David Gill, obviously fantastic work at Man United over the Ferguson years. He obviously stepped out. He's you know he said he wasn't going to he was supposed to be um, was it the vice president of FIFA or something like that. But he said yeah. you know, if Seth, if, uh, Seth Blatter is going to continue in his role, he's not going to he's not going to join, which is a brilliant statement. But then again, how open is he and has he been dealing with anything like that? It's a big problem. The brilliant tweet from uh, James McManus, who actually works at Squawker. Uh, Michelle Platini with oh, a yeah. wrapped leaving a sinking ship statement. So Michelle Platini um, voted for, for Qatar and his son got a job with a Qatari corporation shortly after that event. That's how, how involved all these players are. It's completely corrupt and, and it's a bit, you know, it's going to be a, a massive, massive task to sort of sort this whole problem out. And I'd say that you've got to go for potentially people that are so um, you know, not really in FIFA at all, so far away from it, you know, a younger generation of people that can come together and they can take control of FIFA. Because quite frankly, at the moment, it's an absolute mess. Well, maybe that is part of it, isn't it? Is that how do you, how do we mobilise people now? And I mean, this is a problem. We're essentially having a political conversation on a football podcast where we should be talking about tactics. We should be talking about people <laughs> loving and playing the game. This is part of it is we're not really... You know, we're talking about it because we love it, and that forces us to engage with these situations, which is maybe a good thing. But part of it is we're not really equipped as football fans to, I mean, you know, equipped as humans, but not equipped as football fans to evaluate such a complex political system, which has got such a, a knitted web, especially the biggest problem being that we don't know who to believe right now hmm. because everyone has their own political interests. So I don't particularly believe anyone, but one thing, one resource I think we should be looking at is the electronic resource that we have, which is the internet, which is, you know, the fact we can watch football on TV and trying to engage people through that. I, I mean, this is part of it, isn't it? Is that we get to our idealistic and ideological uh, conclusions, which are essentially untenable because, you know, everyone's going to be pulling in different directions. So what the question is, what happens to FIFA now? Mm, that is the question, isn't it? So, yeah, the um, he's calling it an extraordinary congress. 
uh, to elect the successor. But as I said, yeah, it doesn't take place until December. Why don't they just use the internet? Just use the internet. Like it's or, not hard. I, I think you should probably stand down now and get in an interim president. But apparently, he, yeah. still, he still wants to cling on for a little that little bit longer. But does um, that not allow? Does that not allow other people to push? Like what happens to FIFA in that time? I tell you what, because other what, things move forward, it allows Qatar more time to for more people to die, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'll tell you what the interesting thing that Blatter said. He said uh, during his resignation announcement, he said, now that he is free from the constraints that elections inevitably impose, he will be focusing on fundamental reforms and deep-seated structural change. So obviously he said this before when he was re-elected last time in 2011. He said he was bringing reform. Obviously it didn't happen and here we are. But he's basically saying, now I'm leaving. I'm free to do what I want. I don't have to you know, bow to the whims of different confederations. I'm bringing in reform. Do you think he's actually going to do that or is this just empty words once again? Empty words, isn't it? It's really, it's about him. I think it's about the first person that dobs him in. He's definitely involved with this stuff. Um, you know, how can you be chief of an organisation, president of an organisation without mm. understanding what goes on, you know, beneath that organisation. I think he is the big cheese behind all of this. I think he well, is Dave, the one I, think, I mean, I, that's, li that's libel for a start. I, think, I, I mean, I know that it's sort of, you know, a socially acknowledged idea, but like that's part of the problem is that he knows that he can hide behind that. Uh, and, and we, you know, we just can't say things like that because we don't, we don't know that to be 100% true. And that's what I'm saying. I, I don't trust the sources for this. Yeah, I think what, the, the, the one thing you can say... Uh, with certainty that either if he was complicit in corruption, which I'm not saying he was, uh, but if he was complicit, then obviously his position is or was untenable. But I I even if he didn't know about it, then he's incompetent. His position's still untenable, yeah. yeah so he either was way, just I said this useless. on Football Daily, I think yeah. it got cut. Either way, whether you're in complicit or not, it's still happening in your organisation. Yeah. You've proven yourself not to be qualified for this job. Yeah, and it's happened over years. So why do you think he has left now? Do you think there's something over the horizon here? There is this you know, $10 million bribe that apparently is a little bit too close to him. <laughs> what what is too maybe... close? They got awarded, South Africa got awarded the World Cup and they found this money that's gone to, to, to FIFA. I think that's like fact over madness. being too close to him. Well, there was a great tweet the other day. I think one of the biggest issues here is that they spent twenty six million on their own movie about the, oh, the how brilliant yeah, FIFA was. was. I mean, that is that. I think that in itself sums it up. Maybe we can continue navel gazing and just say what a shitstorm. But I still, I'm still left with the question: what's what, you know what's going to happen? Because you know, I mean, today the question was: you know, is Qatar still going to get the World Cup? Who's who's in charge of addressing this now? Yeah. You know, wow. because Blatter is still part of it. Who's in charge of saying, who's in charge of leading those questions? Well, yeah, that, that is a very good question. The uh, he is, Swiss. Until, until someone else is elected. Yeah, but the, the Swiss authorities are investigating that aspect of it. They're investigating the award of the 2018 and 22, uh, 2022 World Cups to Russia and Qatar, respectively. So I assume when whatever comes out of that investigation, that could lead to something happening, but who but knows I think, when... I mean, I read an interesting article posted by a guy on Facebook the other day that, that was a blog, and it said, um, basically, you know, the hegemony of, uh, basically, UEFA and all the countries within that is being challenged. And that's part of it, is we also have to acknowledge the political interest of UEFA within mm. this and how they are... I don't know how worried they are about losing overall power, but I think they feel very powerful. And, they, you know, there's so many powerful things that come out of Europe Adidas is a European company, all those kind of things, very heavily linked into Europe. And they're worried about losing their seat at the top table. 
and not having the same say and being able to control it from the club side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you know, maybe that's the point is this is globalization and we were sold this dream of globalization and that everything would be harm- harmonious. But the problem is globalization with a capitalist twist is just not globalization where you can all harmoniously yeah. get along. There are going to be losers in it. Vigo in fact has, has just tweeted, change is finally coming. Let's find a solution to start a new era of transparency and democracy in FIFA. Wow. He's running he for president. Man, He's getting he? back. <laughs> but, 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 but listen, I'm behind him. But the point was that we said this years ago. How do you actually bring that into an organisation that seems so yeah. rotten from the core? It's just well, that's part of the, maybe you have maybe yeah maybe that's part of it. Is you know do you, you know are we going to see breakaways? I find it crazy that FIFA's officially a charity. That that seems the amount, that's, the again, amount that's, of that's money they generate is just so. They're 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 actually a non-profit organisation, which oh, yeah. technically doesn't really make them a charity, but you know. That's mad. Absolutely. They're a charity now. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, all right. What, that... what do you guys think? I'd, I'd love to know. I mean, I, I asked for comments in on SoundCloud last mm. week. Got some excellent comments. So, you know, what what do people think out there? What what's the consensus on what you would like to see? You know, where are you in the world, and what do you want? How how do you want to see football progress? You know, do you watch the Premier League, and therefore you want to see England progress, or you know, are you from Concacaf and seeing that you know the states are doing well for a reason, but maybe your country isn't? Let us know. There you go. Tweet us out the front free. Um, let's uh, wrap up the FIFA talk there, and we'll move on to some transfer news. So let's move on to some transfer news then. So um, the biggest news today is that Liverpool are apparently close to signing James Milner on a free transfer. He's out of contract. Um, Manchester City wanted to extend his contract, but he turned him down. So Lawrence, as a Liverpool fan, good signing. A, gr- a great utility player. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, Dave, um, I don't know about his stats. Have you looked into the, Have you looked into his stats, Dave? So the thing with Milner is he, he performs in the big games. He's a big game player. Um, you look at his Simple best performance this this season. It's going to be uh, against Chelsea away and at, um, against Chelsea at home, where he was absolutely phenomenal. By far the best player on the park, in my opinion, both statistically and from watching the game. I think it'll be awesome for Liverpool, to be quite honest. Maybe paid a little bit too much, though. That's my only concern. Well, I yeah. suppose that's the point. Is if you're saying he's awesome and Liverpool are losing big paychecks, then maybe they, you know, maybe yeah. they have some open roster there. And that, if it's a if it's a free transfer, maybe that's the offset that they're saying. Well, we're not paying any money for him, so. You know, maybe we can set offset that with wages. But I'll be interested to see how, where he fits in. You know, Henderson and Milner midfield, that's an all-England midfielder. Ooh. Do you think he's, he is obviously a, a very good player. Um, do you think he's in any way underrated? The popular perception seems to be he's underrated. Or is he just kind of... He doesn't play enough to really be rated, yeah. does he? He doesn't right. play consistently enough to be rated. So I think, you know, if he goes to Liverpool... We might see if, but then that's the problem. Is he is he underrated now? No, he's always been. At, you know, he's been at Man City. He's rated in some way. Mm. So you know, let's see whether if he gets consistent football at Liverpool, then how well he rates. But I think I, I mean I think it's a good signing if he's free, and you know his wages are relatively reasonable, and he's an English player, which is great for the quota in that sense. Then you know, let's go for it. Uh, go on, go with on. Milner. Sorry, just to jump in here. Um, it's it's interesting. He hasn't really played. Like Lawrence says, I've played that much for City this season. He's only completed 11 full games. Mm. You go back to his days at Aston Villa where he was, he sort of moved into central midfield. He was absolute boss. If he can get back to that sort of thunder Liverpool, they're getting a really, really, really good player. Excellent. 
so the other news is uh, Manchester United. Dave, you'll be glad to hear. So apparently they are on the verge of signing uh, a new midfielder. So the reports are that uh, they've beaten Arsenal to the signing of Morgan Schneidlin. So oh, is, great. Is this just the Man United need, Dave? I think I think he's a good, very, very good player. You look at his age, he's 25. He's probably got another five, six, seven, eight years at the top, top level. He's uh, Since Southampton returned to the Premier League, Morgan Schneiderlin's won more tackles than any other player. You look at the number of assists that have been made since that time as well. He's ranked second on that list. So he really does win the ball back in midfield. And I think United have struggled this season with someone to do that, with someone to protect the back four. Carrick's obviously come in and done it very, very well. But he's, uh, he's a different type of player, Michael Carrick. He's a calm player on the ball. He'll pass it. Morgan Schneidlin will win the, win the tackles, make the interceptions. And he's uh, pretty decent on the ball. He's underrated on the ball. You look at his, um, the amount of passes he's completed this season. The only Man United player that's completed more is Wayne Rooney. So he has completed more than Ander Herrera. He's completed more than Blind. He's completed more than Carrick. So it would be a good sign. And if we can get him on the, you know, for not too much money, maybe like less than 20 million quid, that would be a very, very good deal. Dave, there's also talk of Bastian Schweinsteiger in the last few days going to Man United. So, can you see that one happening? Um, it'll be a very, very good signing. You know, Bastian Schweinsteiger has been one of the best central midfielders in world football for the past four years. The only thing with this signing is obviously he's I think he's around 29 now. So, just one of those things where is that the right direction for the club wants to be going? Yes, I take Bastian Schweinsteiger 100, percent but he's, he's going to be at United for potentially two, three seasons. Then we're going to have to move him on. Probably going to have to pay him quite high wages. Probably going to have to fork out a half-decent amount of money for him. He's only got a year left on his contract, though. Okay, so that's a, that will be a positive. But why not sign him on a free transfer, then? Ooh, well, because then he'll be 30, year. and then you really won't rate him. <laughs> true, true. This is true. But no, I do think he's a very top player, and he would bring a lot to United in terms of his ball retention, in terms of creativity, decent set-piece. Um, you know, at the end of the season for Bayern Munich this, this year, he was scoring a few goals, so... You know, it'd be a very decent option, but I think uh, we're sort of looking for, we're playing this 4-3-3 system. We've got Ander Herrera in one of the central midfield spots. I think we're looking for another central midfielder, and I don't quite think Bastian Schweinsteig is that man. And I don't also think that he could do a job in front of the back four. So maybe he's just not the right man for Man United at the moment. Schneiderlin, Herrera, Schweinsteiger. Oof, what a midfield. Uh, so the other uh, sort of transfer saga in the offing is that uh, apparently Real Madrid wants Sergio Aguero. So this is a rumour that's been that. going on for years, but the reports in Spain are now saying that Madrid want to make Sergio Aguero their number one summer transfer target, make him their annual Galactico. But Spain's shit, isn't it? Yeah, surely <laughs> Man, United, Man City are never going to sell uh, Sergio Aguero to, to Madrid. Stop buying, stop buying. They like to buy one... <laughs> star player every summer that seems to be how they work well then bring someone through th- from that academy and fulfill the uh, other half no... of your Galactico mm. promise you prick what about um, Alvaro Morata oh they sold him off oh yeah what, what about, about... <laughs> no what about he's probably going to be off as well why are they not keeping these players that are very very talented Crazy. what about Isco mate oh no wait a minute <laughs> they bought him in didn't they <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, think Aguero would be mega signing for City. Obviously, he absolutely ripped up the, uh, the La Liga with Atletico, but it seems like a strange one. Apparently, he's very good pals with Messi. Mm. So, I imagine Messi would have a word in his ear, you know, don't join Madrid and that. But... Well, maybe yeah, well, would. I mean, maybe he wants him in Spain. It sort of makes sense in terms of the rumours are that, you know, Karim Benzema is available. 
we we were talking um, yeah in the previous episode about him going to Manchester United potentially. So there is that space for a star striker on the old uh, on the old front line. Although and the Aguero talk is... would fit the speed of the side, and yeah. well, not necessarily even speed. Just his movement is fantastic. He doesn't even have to be quick. He's just he's just great movement. Although the there has been talk of. Um, Real Madrid planning to sort of move Ronaldo more centrally. Now he's hit the old 3-0. They're going to try and move Ronaldo into that sort of central striker position, you know, help him get the uh, Pachichi ahead of uh, Messi every year. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah, you like that? We're not playing FIFA. No, no, but that's what they're saying. That's honestly... Yeah, no, that's true. Really not a fan of Ronaldo for central. I think he's he's best when he's running at someone with pace behind him, you know, starting from from a wide area and then cutting in or, you know, going to the byline, playing at cross. I just... Obviously, he's going to evolve as a player. I might be completely incorrect that he might play up front and bag a load of goals, but obviously his goal-scoring record is insane. 48 La Liga goals this season is an absolute joke. Absolutely ridiculous. So, um, there's a bit of transfer news. There's the guys' thoughts on that. Let's move on to some questions. Yeah. So, I know we have talked about this elsewhere, Lawrence. We talked about it on Football Daily this week. But James Cole is asking, are Arsenal title challenges for next season? Uh, Dave, what do you said, reckon? We said yes, didn't we? We said yeah, because the, the yeah. quality of their squad is so high that... If they make some signings. But you know what Wenger's like, he, he might um and ah in the transfer market all yeah. summer, and then they're back, you know, he might not sign anyone. I think it's destined for Arsenal always to have a little bit of a bad spell, and they need to get over that. Obviously, this season was at the start, last season it was at the end. I think the signings that they have made, you know, Sanchez, Ozil, are massive, massive signings. They need to keep that momentum going. You look at a top player they probably would bring in. They've been linked with Vidal this week. He would be absolutely brilliant at Arsenal. But it's whether they, you know, Arsenal really want to go in and sign someone of Vidal's quality, a Champions League, um, you know, Champions League starting central midfielder. I really do think they need a new goalkeeper. I've mentioned it so many times before. David Ospina is just not good enough. They need And Chesney as well. You know, he looked half decent in the FA Cup final, but he just came off his line too much. He was trying to deal with Benteke in the air. It worked up at the start, and then he just looked very shaky. So they do need a, you know, a central midfielder and a centre, uh, sorry, a goalkeeper, and as well probably need a centre half for Mertesacker if they want to challenge for the title. You compare Koscielny and Mertesacker to Terry and Cahill. You know, there's a massive difference there in terms of quality, in terms of how they play together. Something Arsenal will probably challenge. I'm going to go with, but I think it's dependent on who they bring in. Mm. Yeah. It's always the same with Arsenal, I said, isn't it? It's always every summer we're like, oh, Arsenal are going to challenge next season. And like you say, they have a bad patch and then it's all over. Um, next question is from Jason Lawrence at Lord Zazka on Twitter. He says, was Alan Pardew right. treated unfairly by Newcastle fans last season? Tempting to say yes. I, th- I think so. How? How? Well, <laughs> what about sackpardew.com? <laughs> yeah. well, so, why is that unfair? At the start of the season, a lot of Newcastle fans were calling for Alan Pardew's head. They had a pretty dreadful run uh, in the league, yeah. but he did manage to turn things around. Obviously, yeah. working at Newcastle, as we all know, is not the easiest situation. But the yeah. team were doing well. Um, you know, they, they were they, the results were picking back up. And you know, you look at look at how he's gone now. He's gone to Crystal Palace and had you know success there, sort of finishing mid table, finishing above Newcastle who was sort of almost relegated at the end of the season. So do you not think, you know, Pardew was a little bit underappreciated maybe by the Newcastle fans? It was a grass screener on the other side sort of thing. With Newcastle, they were so bitty. They were so, like, in part, Pardew, they play well for six games and then they play rubbish for 12 games and then well for six games. And that sort of cycle got them, you know, kept them up. And then, you know, when you looked at that, those sort of 1-0s, 
the sort of the six games that they're picking up wins. It's all one nil, two one, very tight games and it's tight margins. But Pardew got that out of the players. I think what you potentially might look at is how Newcastle. The problem with Newcastle is bigger than just the manager. And maybe the fans were, um, you know, attacking everything at the club because oh, it's obviously going a little bit wrong with Mike Ashley in charge at the moment. And you know, them uh, making loads of money but not sort of spending it. And you know, fifty thousand Geordies turn up every week and absolutely brilliant fans. They sort of deserve it. I'd love someone like Jurgen Klopp to go to Newcastle and turn them into the Champions League side again. Wow. That'd be brilliant. Well, the latest on their manager is that um, Patrick Vieira has apparently turned down the job, or he's out of the running at least, because he wanted control over transfers, which uh, is apparently not going to happen. So the favourite is now old uh, Steve McLaren. Uh, do you reckon that's a good uh, appointment by Newcastle if that does happen? Well, I think so, yeah. Steve, Steve was pretty good. Um, you know, He's been over the last few seasons in the Championship, just missed out from playoffs. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Derby played a really nice brand of football. It was a sort of 4 3 3 interchanging players. And I think that's something that Newcastle want is a good brand of football. Mm. I think Steve's got something to prove. I think he's one of the best assistant managers that Man United have ever had. Obviously, he got hammered um, as England manager, went over to Wolfsburg, did work, did well. No, was it Paulie in Wolfsburg? It was, no, he did well in uh, Holland and then Paulie in Wolfsburg. Yeah, he went to Twente, didn't he? And then yeah. uh, didn't quite work out in the Bundesliga, unfortunately. I, ju- I just hope that he does do well, because I, I like Steve McLaren. I feel that he's taken a bit of a hammering from the media in the past. Yeah, he can finally, uh, you know, he can finally think, move past the Wally with the Broly stuff over here. Well, that's, well, well, you'd hope so, but that's part of the point with that, isn't it? It's that, uh, I mean, really, Steve McLaren uh, is... Yeah, yeah, I, lo- I really like Steve McLaren. For, for what I know about his backstory and you know the fact that that whole Steve stuff actually endeared me to him and I think that's what I like about these managers that is their human side is quite endearing but then yeah. and it's easy to romanticize about them but also easy to slag them off at the same time so they're great for copy for journalists and that's why journalists like them as well not only that but they do you know they tend to come with a bit of a character and there's something quite nice about that as well but then I mean, with Pardew, I think, you know, Dave made the point perfectly. They wanted, they just wanted a better manager. It wasn't even necessarily that it was Pardew. He was a symptom of the problem as far as they saw it. And maybe McLaren could be used as the same thing. And that's part of the problem. So JJ King's got the next question. He says, what are your thoughts 
on Christian Atsu. Now he's joined Bournemouth on loan. Um, Dave, go for it. Week. Dave, got any well, thoughts? Uh, so last season, he really obviously was at Everton on loan. And he only played like five games throughout the whole season, the whole, the whole 30 to 38 games. From what I saw of him in glimpses in uh, the era of for Vitesse Reinem, I was quite impressed by him. He's quite explosive, can sort of, you know, um, create something out of absolutely nothing, going back to the, those sort of cliches. But he's quite a nice player. But the strange thing about Vitesse that season was they had such a good uh, middle part of their season. They were like competing for the league. And that was that season where Chelsea sort of just, um, you know, turned off the money or they turned off the players coming in. It was really weird. They sort of stopped playing. But Christian Atsu that season scored five goals in 28 games and got six assists. So I think he could be good in the Premier League. You look at his sort of his, his other stats, you know, take-ons where he's dribbling past an opponent. He's completed 70% of those um, in that season for Vitesse. So that is quite impressive. But then we've got to take into consideration that it is the era of his E. But I, I'd like to see him. I was very impressed when I saw him, you know, when he was a, when he was a 20... 20, what, 20 odd year old, probably 20, 21. Now he's 23. It's time for him to sort of become that player that he's seen to be by Mourinho and, and the rest of the game. Excellent. There you go, JJ. Uh, so, um, Peter Stevenson says, Do you think Oscar will leave Chelsea? Um, do you think or hope? Do you think? I think he could leave Chelsea. I think he does. Why, why are there so many people? Well, I mean, there's a couple of people who potentially leave Chelsea this year. In Diego Costa's. Had that article well, in the past yeah. week, hasn't he? They, they, I don't Marino, think he. Yeah. yeah, Mourinho's come out today and said, "Oh, he's happy and all this sort of stuff." It's all been blown out. But Oscar, he doesn't seem. Um, Where's that from then? What the well? Who knows? It was in Spain, wasn't it? It was first reported, and then the Sun picked it up over here. But um, well, the Guardian also picked it up over here with quotes. I thought they were saying the Guardian was refuting it and saying he's staying. Well, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying is it, the Guardian sometimes does like a little stir and then right. they sort of step back and go, well, it's not true. Did we? we did, I'm not sure we did Ooh, say that, did we, yeah. mate? Um, I don't think Diego Costa will leave, but I think Oscar will go because he doesn't seem as essential to that Chelsea team as someone like Costa. Um, yeah. And he's kind of a mercurial player. He's kind of, he's not the most decisive player in games. And even if he is, it's not, there's not a consistency about him. He doesn't do it for a run of games. It seems to be, you know, as and when, um, yeah, yeah. Do you think he's going to go in, Dave? I'd, I'd agree that you know he's he's a mercurial player. He plays well again in the bigger games. Um, I think Mourinho wants a bit more from his attacking midfielder in terms of output. Um, you know, he had he's had the likes of Wesley Schneider there. You know, he's had uh, Mesut Ozil there. You know, these great creators, and it's just not quite gone so well for Oscar as we'd all hoped. I think that he might not suit the Premier League, obviously. Um, when he first came there, loads of Brazilians, you know, Brazilian teammates were saying, you're not going to suit the Premier League, you know, classic stuff. I don't think he actually has. I think his game would, you know, if he was in Italy or if he was in Spain, it suit his game a lot more, you know, very technical goal scorer and sort of attacking midfielder, second striker. I think that's probably where he's got to go with his career. You're looking at Antoine Griezmann could replace him. Obviously, a brilliant player from La Liga. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, Robert, we are going to we are going to preview the uh, the Champions League soon but uh, Robert says who deserves the treble I wonder why he said Robert there because I was like Robert who the fuck is <laughs> well, specific, right, Robert specifically Robert 26593 he said which Ooh. team deserves imagine if Robert the... falls asleep now and then he, all he hears is Robert yeah. Robert <laughs> wake, wake him back up just... in time for his question he said which team deserves the treble more Barca or Juventus deserves it more that's interesting I'd probably say, me personally, I'd say Barcelona because, as Lawrence pointed out not too long ago, they've beaten the champions of oh, wow. uh, England, of Germany. Dave counters that. Dave counters that by saying uh, they haven't not been that good. Best. Yeah, but I'd say 
okay, yes, but literally they have beaten those champions. They have been the best team in Europe this season. They've been the most entertaining. Yeah. So therefore, I think they, they deserve to win. But then you've got then we contrast all of that. You sort of you sort of think, well, what what about the idea they're both the biggest, pretty much the biggest spenders in their league? I mean, no, no, it's the Champions yeah. League, so you know it's another level. But still, you know, I mean, what Allegri is achieving this first season there is incredible. Yeah, what, hey, what Enrique and achieves. <laughs> may, maybe what maybe what we would say is Heisel is also there's, a, there's the uh, there's the anniversary of Heisel this year. And, yeah. You know, that would be a lovely po- sorry uh, poetic moment for Juve if they did win it this year. Whoever deserves to win it will be the team that wins that final because you know Allegri doesn't have Messi, Neymar, Suarez. You could say, but. I think he if, has if, Tevez. If Allegri can counter that, if he can contain those three, and you know, just however, he, however he wins it, I think yeah, that'll be that'll be quite an achievement. That's interesting. They've they've got a back three, whereas Barcelona have got a front three. Yeah, I personally think Barca deserve it because of one man, Lionel Messi. He deserves to win the treble. To you know, he's won it once in his career. I think he deserves to win it more times because he's that good. And that's simply it that Lionel Messi deserves to win the treble more. Well, what about Pirlo? Nah. <laughs> well, what, well, what about Buffon? No. Buffon was saying that Lionel Messi was an alien today, wasn't he? In a good Up way. On the planet. Yeah. Can I, can I just say, do you, I don't know if this is meant to stay within the industry, but it probably isn't. I'm being a wanker. Uh, uh, <laughs> basically, uh, if you say someone's from another world, do you know what you're implying? What? Dave? I, I don't no. know, mate. No, really? What? No, go on, because I'm just, I'm assuming... Well, the implication is drug use. Really? Yeah. If, if, so if, it, if a journal, allegedly, if a journalist, I mean, some people, maybe that's been translated that way, you know. Um, it's not, um, also, it's not an allegation, you know. I mean, it's just, it's something we can discuss. And, you know, even if he did, he's still an incredible player, we should probably say. Yeah. Um, but, part, but part of that, and I'm not saying he did, what I'm saying is, you, you do have to be careful about saying the players from another world, because it tends to mean, Corruption, the use of drugs, hiding it, and that someone wants to get that message out, but without that, saying, sorry. "Yeah." Well, um, just say, I'm just saying. Question took a I mean, tangent I'm, there. It's an interesting choice of word. Maybe that's an English cultural thing. It's not a yeah, not an Italian cultural thing, but yeah. Let's let's get, let's get onto the safe ground as the next question. And uh, I'm not accusing yeah. anyone of anything. I'm no, just saying it's pure really. chance. All right, uh, that an alien that happened to be here. Liam was here. Said uh, best player to never win the Ballon d'Or. Uh, I would even. <laughs> there you go. I'd probably say someone like uh, Thierry Henry, maybe even as a Spurs fan. Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry was the best in the world uh, at that, uh, that time. Arsenal, wasn't he? Back in Definitely. the day, yeah, he, he was incredible. Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, oh, yeah, Dennis Bergkamp, another one. Uh, I think Goalkeepers don't get a big enough shout, you know. Buffon, they're 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 right just talking about Buffon, but yeah, he he yeah. he's never one won. goalkeeper has won it in in the whole history of the the Ballon d'Or. And who was well, that? Obviously, Dave? Think, Dave. think how much quality he had to him. Who was it? Um, it was the. There's two of them actually. I think there's two Russians. One of them is Levyashin. Yes, Levyashin. I think maybe is that there's only one. I think that is the only one. But you know the likes of uh, Manuel Neuer, obviously at the moment, is just that completely overshadowed by Lionel Messi and Ronaldo. Oliver Kahn back in the day, yeah. Some, some Oliver Kahn. I mean, yeah. Oliver Kahn. You know. 
What about Lawrence? I thought you would have said Kenny Dalglish, your, your favourite player, wasn't it? Good point, Kenny. Although, yeah, I mean that's a different era. But Kenny Dalglish probably would have probably would have oh, won yeah, about still about them. The I world. mean, Kenny Dalglish is the original Lionel Messi, really. There you go, Xavi, as you said, Iniesta, another yeah. one who's never won. Lovely. Right. There was a lovely line about Xavi the other day. I don't know how many people get this reference, but he's like the George Harrison of football. I think that's such a great <laughs> quote. Work right. it out. It is a really great quote. Um, B Rain Twenty Seven said, "What are the chances of having more than one podcast per week?" I'd say the chances are extremely low. I'd unless, say ten to one. Yeah, unless I'll you give you good to, odds, mate. Yeah, no, mate. It's yeah. just too much, too much, too much. Well, if we get investment, you know, easy. Five yeah, a week, ten a week. Let's do a Kickstarter. Kickstarter and yeah. form the podcast. Would week. you donate to a Kickstarter? Tell us in the comments. How much would you donate to a Kickstarter to hear <laughs> the podcast? We're not begging five times. But I mean, Adam, you're full time on it now, oh, so I you yeah, should actually, be yeah, able to pay. be. Full-time. I mean, our wages uh, So there you go. There's the questions uh, that we've got time for this week. If you want to ask us more questions, do so on Twitter at the Front Free. Uh, next, we're going to do the uh, talking points to wrap it all up. So the talking points, I uh, got a reference last week's talking points. We had a few suggestions for, uh, fan suggestions for moments of the season. So Sahej Verma said, Fabregas is chipped past to Diego Costa, oh, who yeah. finished the move sublimely against Arsenal. He's, True, obviously, yeah. he's obviously a Chelsea fan. That was a nice pass there. Uh, Matt Devine on SoundCloud said, Gerard Stamp on Herrera <laughs> and getting sent off was brilliant as a Man oh, United cool. fan. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He, yeah, he yeah that's, that's very true. That's, I like how real... his moment of the season was anything his team did. It was that, you know, Gerard. Well, his team did it. do it. His team were crashing wow. Liverpool at the time. Uh, and the final one, one. John, John Booth said Messi's goal against Bilbao in the King's Cup final on the weekend. Incredible. Yeah. That wow. was yeah. some goal. That was unbelievable. Just goals in general this season. God, he's some player. And there's also a little bit of feedback on the question, Lawrence, you asked people's favourite formations. A lot of yeah. people saying three at the back. Yeah, three, four, one, two. Although Dave is now going to poo-poo this entire idea. What? Back threes, yeah. No, for me, they're, they're, they're out. You know, we looked at, <laughs> we looked at Man United. They, oh, I think what the back three it came in at the start and everyone got really giddy about it. And then so as the season sort of wore on, everyone was like, wait a minute, this actually doesn't work. You know, we've got too many guys at the back, not enough players in midfield. That was the classic Man United problem. There was not enough players on the wings as well. Um, well, Dave, so, you, know, you, Dave. you look at the... An interesting thing will be if you they do start the Champions League with a back three. I'm going to have to eat my words. Well, Dave, but that's um, part but, of the point here, isn't it, Dave? But one question I want to ask is, especially with Allegri as the manager and a tactically adaptable side, if you don't play it for the full ninety, but you play it when you need it, then it's then it's advantageous, right? Yeah. Well, listen, we're, we're so- yeah, I completely agree with you. You look at Marseille this season when they were, you know, Bielsa, crazy man, loves playing league. Formations all over the place. He was playing at one point a three-four-three diamond. So basically, you had three centre backs. You had a defensive midfielder sitting in front. Then you had two sort of wing backs. Then you had an attacking mid, and then some, you know, two wingers and a forward. It was absolutely brilliant. But then against the sort of bigger, more tactically astute teams like Monaco and that, you get found out. And I think that's the problem with the back three. It's countered very easily by by a, a switch from you know you going down, you're attacking down one side, a long switch to the other side, or you're building up the play close to the box and then you're switching it, you know, quite quickly. That's where yeah. the problem, you know, sort of comes, that space in between the wing back and the centre back. Big problem for Liverpool obviously this season against Man United and, you know, Chelsea and whoever. Listen, talking, Everyone, talking about back threes, this is going to bring us on perfectly to Dave's talking point. It's a preview of the Champions League final. This Saturday, Barcelona v Juventus, 
both teams going for the treble, as we mentioned. Dave, how do you see it going? It's going to be a fascinating tactical matchup, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. I just can't wait to see how both teams set up. You know, which players go in? Will Pogba play? Big questions there. Um, you know, I've got my I've got money on Barcelona, so I am going to be wearing my Barcelona hat on on Saturday. I really hope that they win, but. I can really see Juventus obviously upsetting everyone. I think this Barcelona team's got so much wind behind at the moment. Everyone sort of wants them to win. Juventus could just slide in there, be the bad guys. I'm going to say Barcelona to, to win it in normal time. Goes past that 90-minute mark, Juve are going to absolutely plaster them. I like that. I like that. So how do you think um, Juventus are going to line up and how do they deal with Messi, Suarez, Neymar? They're on absolute fire. We saw on the weekend Atletico Bilbao couldn't contain them. Do you think Juventus are going to have more luck? If you say three at the back, I'll hit you, Dave. <laughs> no, I definitely don't think you should go three at the back against these guys because um, I think one of the interesting things earlier on in the season when Valencia went three at the back versus Madrid is a different proposition than going 3v3 versus uh, Benzema, Bale and Ronaldo than going 3v3 versus Messi, Suarez and Neymar because they're you know, the centre of gravity. They're going to do you one-on-one and that's what you can't have. You need an extra man at the back to cover. So I think the first thing we look at is Lionel Messi. How do Juventus stop Lionel Messi? I think there's two things they could do here. They could sort of go very, very zonal against him. So, you know, if, if Messi's on the, the right flank, you know, Ever will pick him up. Or if he comes inside, Pirlo's going to pick him up. Or they could potentially go man for man on him. Ever could follow him round the pitch. That's what um, Bilbao did at the weekend. Um, the their, their left back picks up Messi, followed him everywhere. But it just laid, left absolutely acres of space for Rakitic in particular, but also Dani Alves, which is a very dangerous thing to do. Hmm. I think how Juventus are actually going to set up versus Messi. They'll go zonal, but they'll get their um, left-sided central midfielder, goal side of Lionel Messi when out of possession. I think they're going to be sit very, very deep. I think Asamoah could be perfect for this role, another player that's played left-back for Juventus in the last few years. You know, and that will also nullify the threat of Alves. But I really do think they can't go, they can't go man, man for man on Messi. I think they've just got to get players between him and the goal and that's the only way you sort of do it Mourinho showed us that in the past but you do look at Messi's stats in the Champions League and they are ridiculous you know he scored the most goals the joint most goals got the joint most assists created the most chances got the most take-ons really interesting thing is take-on success rate in the Champions League is 65% that's really interesting because that's compared to his La Liga take-on success rate which is 57% it's actually showing that when Messi has to step up he is stepping up how about Suarez? So obviously he is, um, you know, he's been on great form since he's come back from the ban in the in the latter half of the season. He's up against Chiellini, and of course he had a, a cheeky bite of out of the World Cup. How do you think he's going to get on uh, this this matchup? Yeah, it was interesting to see Chiellini say he's going to hold no grudges about this. I imagine, you know, in the game he will snap him at least one thing. That's oh. going to be a really interesting battle. Obviously Suarez is very much so the pressing machine this season for Barcelona, leads the attack. Um, you know, in terms of their, their locking locking the opposition into a into a press. But what what I really think that could go poorly for Juventus is that again um, we do have a lumbering Chiellini and a lumbering Benucci, two rather large defenders. So you look at the likes of Suarez, very nimble on his feet, it could cause them a lot of problems. But it would just be a, you know be a really interesting battle to see how how they they deal with him and whether there is any beef. Um, what the thing with Chiellini as well, what I loved this season was that tackle on Cristiano Ronaldo. When it, on the, I think it was like the 94th minute in the first leg, Ronaldo was breaking and he just cleaned him out and got a yellow card. That was absolutely tactically fantastic. And I think that's what Chiellini, you know, his leadership and his ability brings to this Juventus team, a really, really top defender. So I think Suarez is going to have a really, really good battle. I like that. How about Juventus's uh, front lines? They've got Carlos Tevez and Alvaro Morata. How are they going to get on against Barcelona's defence? 
I think it's going to be an interesting one to see whether, you know, the, the sort of pairings that link up, because obviously they, um, Juventus do play with the front two, so Piquet and Mascarano are going to have a direct opposition throughout the whole game. Usually when you play against Bar- when you when you play for Barcelona, usually play against one forward. So I could think if Allegri can get um, can, can put Morata on Mascarano, obviously that height advantage, and then put Tevez on Piquet, that could be a really, really good way to exploit this for Juventus on the counter-attack. We've seen against Borussia Dortmund, they broke really well. Against Juventus, they broke really well. We've sort of Three players attacking, so they're they're attacking mid and they're two strikers sort of attacking the opposition defensive midfielder and two centre backs. So that's going to be a really interesting battle to see whether PK can deal with. As I say, PK is probably the best centre back in world football at the moment. He's sort of rekindling that form of 2009, 2012, that sort of period there. So it's going to be an absolutely fantastic battle between those two sets of players. What about finally in midfield? Where do you see the key battles being in the middle of the park? The big one here. It's going to be a battle of. Shithouse A versus Shithouse B. I think it's going to be... <laughs> Vidal is going to be getting in the face of Busquets. It's going to be lovely to watch. We're going to see dives. We're going to see grass thrown at each other. It's going to be awesome. But I think with Vidal, um, he's been a key cog in, in Juventus' pressing in the latter stage of the tournament, You know, really leading the line in that diamond midfield. Um, he's won the most tackles in the Champions League this season, so that sort of highlights that fact of pressing and attacking. But Busquets has become a really key cog for Barcelona this season. He's completed more passes than any Barca midfielder in the Liga. So he's become really important. It sort of doesn't reflect so well in the Champions League stats because Busquets has been in and, you know, he didn't play in the group stages. But that Champions League stat really shows he has become a key cog. He's taking the, the, the ball that, that sort of Xavi used to take and he's the distributor. So that's going to be such an interesting match. So, uh, go on in, Dave. Final question for you is to put that all together. What is your score prediction for the match? I'm going to go... 3-1 to Barcelona. I am going to say exactly the same as you. Uh, Lawrence, what do you reckon? 2-1. Oh. 2-1 Barcelona. 2-1 Barcelona, yeah. Yeah. yeah just... Juve will lock it down. I just, if That's the point. Is I suppose that's the point. We're not paid to make predictions about a blowout. and I, don't, I hope not for a blowout. But, um, yeah, yeah, let's go 2-1. Two, two Okay, interesting. Very good. Nice preview, Dave. Nice preview. You got our score predictions there, guys. Let us know how you think the game's going to go at the front three on Twitter. Lawrence, what is your talking point? What do you want to discuss with us today? Well, today I spent the day at St George's Park uh, as part of the Vauxhall uh, launch of uh, the Under Twenty Ones, which was great. Um, and basically, we were with uh, our, our man Gareth Southgate. Uh, and he announced the squad live on air alongside Marcus Speller, who hosts Football Daily, a good friend of the podcast. Um, the point is, our under twenty one squad. I mean, if you have you guys seen what our under twenty one squad is, uh, yes. Okay, look at that front three. I mean, there there are a lot of points made today. Great points made by a lot of different people. And I think the main things that stood out to me, and I was directing the content today, I wasn't part of, of it on screen. But the the point would be that the generation we've got is there's some great talent in there, but it's how they develop. David James made this point that, you know, they had some real precocious talent in the England setup at one point, and it didn't quite develop into what they wanted it to be because maybe of how they dealt with it. What they have now is they've got Berahino, Kane, Ings up front. I mean, Southgate said he just wouldn't know another selection like that in another generation. Yeah. When we were talking about midfield, we were talking about people like Will Hughes, we were talking about people like Loftus-Cheek, who's actually uncapped for the under-21s, but ultimately has been bought in because of the merit that he's shown underneath Mourinho. So, well, that changed today maybe slightly, but uh, he, got, he got a bit of criticism, old Loftus-Cheek from Mourinho. 
But uh, well, I mean, but, but Mourinho is very hot and cold on players. All I'm saying yeah. is he's in there from the merit that Mourinho has given him, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter whether he's criticised or not; they still see that there's a bit of talent there. And then at the back, there's Jack Butland. Now they don't go to this tournament as favourites because uh, you know I, I've been looking into this. I've been speaking to a couple of journalists, and you know people like Chris Hennage, another friend of the podcast, say they fancy people like Denmark just because of the amount of talent in their generation. But what? But what that we were saying was, is it's the basically the idea of it being channeling real talent and making it into a generation and trying to make the most of that. And at the moment, there's a real there's a real raft of talent for England. If they can make it into a good squad, which they seem to be trying to do and seem to be doing reasonably successfully, and how, how they knit together those sorts of things, like Italy have done, like Germany have done, et cetera, et cetera, then we might see a more successful England side. Not one that's going to win the World Cup, but one that plays at least an attractive brand of football. That's what I definitely say that. I watched the game between uh, England and Germany. England actually came back and showed some real fight and won the game 3-2. And you look at the players in, in the list of the squad. James Ward-Prowse scored the winner. Exactly. It was absolutely pivotal in midfield. You've got Nathan Redmond, who's had a brilliant season with Norwich again, was very threatening in that side. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, they blend the players in. You know, they've got three top-class strikers there. You're going to say probably going to go with Harry Kane, obviously on merits this season, but... You do have a lot of different options. Berahino, quick player. Danny Ings, you know, more of a potential target man type player. But I, someone that you've got to look out for is Jess Lingard. Whenever mm -hmm. I've seen him sort of play for Man United, I've always been impressed. I always think he's got that little bit of class. So he could be a big player that sort of really explodes onto the team during the under 21. This team could have a midfield three that all have double barred names. <laughs> <laughs> I like Forster, that. Kaski, is it? Yeah, Forster yeah. Kaski, Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek, Chelsea, obviously, who's actually uncapped at the moment. So it's unlikely, you know, we'll, we'll see what his role is within the squad. And, you know, the fact that they're just there to get, uh, you know, the, the experience in the first place and see, I mean, I'll say that in one sec, but then also James Ward Prowse. That's a midfield three of double barrel names. Um, the final thing I say is, I mean, speaking to David James off camera, is a fascinating guy, actually. And, you know, I, uh, I, I really like him as a pundit and he did a great job today. Thanks, James. Um, and, but what he was saying was, is it's also about whether people knit into the squad. And if a guy comes in and he's a great player, but he doesn't gel with everyone else, more often than not, they'll say, well, you know what? It's probably best you go then. And he said, you know, in previous generations, you know, he didn't name names, but not on camera anyway. In previous generations, there have been people who have maybe not knitted so well into the squad and then, you know, had a bit of uh, had a bit of trouble with you know kind of coming back into the squad because they didn't need to or you know maybe they maybe they were seem to be too disruptive and that's interesting because apparently you know they're looking at every level now and especially in St George's Park where it's such an intense atmosphere it's, it was a great it's a great place to go and I saw some great technology today great stuff okay well I look forward to watching the under 21 championships fingers yeah. crossed for England go for uh, Denmark well, the, yeah put the money on Denmark, England, but yeah. put your money on put your money on yeah, Denmark one player to look out for um, for Denmark is a player called Victor Fischer from the Ajax Academy, oh, yeah. playing centrally um, towards the end of the season for Ajax and scored quite, scored you know a few goals. So you know, he's definitely one to watch. I'd say football manager, great quality isn't? tournament there. There's a lot of quality sides in there. There is. It's good. It's quite a good summer, isn't it? Considering we've got the Women's World Cup, under 21s, we've got the Copper America. So it's actually there's going to be quite a lot of football in this summer. Well, the Women's World Cup in Canada will. I mean, Canada will be an interesting country to host that in the first place. So let you know. Let's see. I'm intrigued to see them. And not only that, but the Gold Cup as well in the States, which is, uh, you, you know, CONCACAF, basically. Great so time. we are approaching the hour mark. So um, I will do a very brief talking point, which is just to say, let us know what you like and don't like about the podcast. Not you guys, obviously, what? because you love it. But to the, to the followers, to the listeners, 
um, just tweet us at the front free. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Any suggestions, any sort of thoughts, anything like that. You guys have given us some amazing support. So um, we all really appreciate it. But yeah, just let us know. We're sort of doing it for the listeners in the end, aren't we? So, you oh, know, bloody hell, Adam. Humble brag. Know, there was one. Let us know. You were. Humble brag. Oh, I've got to say, guys, I'm humbled by the fact so many people hey, listen. I yeah, truly I, am humble. I, I genuinely am shocked at how many people tweet us. And yeah, same I'm just absolutely, I'm blown away. What I, think is, what I think is best is what I like is that I, I actually sort of look at the tweets and think, wow, that's a great question. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, which, is, which I imagine most people experience on a daily basis, having so many followers. But <laughs> I love, I love how many good questions we get. So thanks for the question. There was a great comment on the SoundCloud this week that said, uh, you know, Gerard and Lampard it managers 2020. You know, think of all this generation of managers now. This generation of players now will be managers in the next generation. We didn't oh, even discuss yeah. that. So that's the kind of stuff we throw to the side. Discuss that next week, Lawrence. That's a great point. Um, <laughs> sure. But let's wrap it up there. So, guys, Lawrence, where can the people find more of your work? If you want to find me with a clear nose uh, where I don't have a cold, then go to Lozcast. Uh, basically, Google Lozcast, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T, and you'll find me there. I do wonder how this recording is going to come across. It was on Skype again through necessity, and also you've both got colds, basically. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Dave's got man flu. I actually just have I've, a cold. I've got, yeah, taken down. If anyone could send me some Lensip in the post, that would be great. Dave, that just turned out to be anthrax. Sorry, yeah. don't do it. Where, where, <laughs> where can the people find you, Dave? That's not your home address. Oh, just on Twitter, you know, at Squawker Dave. Get on there, S-Q-U-A-W-K-A-D-A-V-E. I've also got my link to my YouTube channel there. We're hey. putting some content up for the Champions League final and potentially oh. do something after the Champions League final, so check it out. Love it. Fantastic. Ooh. Check that out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood. We'll be back next week for episode eight. So see you then. <laughs>